0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Let me finish with Paul before I get back to the calls. And, Paul, here's the other thing. Yes, health is important. Yes, all the things that you mentioned, depth and all that. But here's the bottom line. You have to be able to score points. You have to be able to score points. And this Jet team couldn't get it done. That's the main reason... They were not in the postseason. Did the defense play great down the stretch as consistently as they did earlier in the season? No, they did not. Did they have trouble getting off the field unlike what they had earlier in the season? Absolutely, yes, they did. They did. There's no question they had trouble getting off the field. But the biggest problem they had was scoring points and getting drives. That would give them sevens instead of threes. I mean, it it was all you need to know is that the starting quarterback, okay, was not just benched, but was made inactive. He didn't dress, not once but twice in the season. So yes, while you're telling me all the scenarios about the, 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 you know, the defense and camaraderie and everything, you are not wrong. All that is the truth. Organizational issues. You are right. That is the truth. But the bottom line still has been the fact that they've not been able to get any offense. And in today's NFL, you're not winning without scoring. You're not. You're not. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey. Hey, how's it going, Larry? It's going great, my friend. What's happening?
2: Oh, great to hear. And I want to say, say fantastic show. I really love all the points that you brought up. And it's really a nice change of fresh from, you know, what we usually get from earlier in the day, which is, you know, trying to make Carr look like a bad quarterback and Jimmy G ineffective and all of these other things just so they can get their guy. And I totally get it. We're all fans at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So so, so I've just I just had this, you know, and my, my my main point has always been, you know, I've always said you should always send feelers out for Rogers, but as soon as he starts playing games, I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. And that's kinda like, you know, what most of me and, you know, My inner circle of friends of Jeff fans have have, had the feeling on. And once we heard this darkness retreat, we were just, (laughs) we we were kind of already put off because it was just like, this is typical Aaron Rodgers. And this is typically what he's going to do, and this is typically how he drags it out. And like, like I mentioned to the call screen earlier, he, uh, my fear is that this is going to be exactly like the Brit Farm situation. And no matter how many times people tell me the beginning of the movie and the middle of the movie, which was eight and three, there's still a one and four drop-off and a... A injury where the Jets ended up getting fined because they didn't know, and also a picture scandal that ended that that was the ending of the movie.
1: Yeah. So
2: there's sometimes we have to you know re- realize that as well. Well, and we're not just being revisionist history; we're, we're actually fans that remember stuff.
1: Yeah, it's true. I hear what you're saying, Jose. Thanks for the phone call, and that that's why you if you don't want Aaron Rodgers, that's why you don't because you want some. You want the organization to have some kind of stability for change. Because one of the issues that the Jets have had is, is no consistency. They're constantly in transition. And it's not their fault. They're constantly in transition because people don't do their jobs. They don't win. And you can't you cannot stay with a person when they don't when they, there's no production. This is a production business. This is a win or go home business, especially the NFL. And if you can't produce, I gotta move on. That's why, listen, give them credit. Two years. Okay, we tried this kid two years. Okay, we gotta move on. We can't just continue to stay here. Looks like we made a mistake. Okay, let's get out of it. <laughs> let's move on. Let's find another quarterback. Let's see what happens. If we gotta get, if he comes around as a backup, great. If he doesn't, great, we'll move on. But we can't continue to keep playing this over and over again. We just can't. Let's go down. Now, we know that the Jets lost their last six games. The Viking game was a tough one. I mean, they they should have won that game. The Bills game they lost 2012. They lost against Detroit 2017. Against the Jaguars and Seahawks and Dolphins, they didn't score a touchdown. 19-3, 23-6, 11-6 to the Dolphins. 11-6. All they needed was one touchdown, they win that game. One touchdown. One. That's why they're looking for quarterback. <laughs> That's why. Because there's no way you're winning. Yeah, the defense. So we're going to jump on the defense. The defense gave up 11 points to Miami. 11. They lost to the Patriots earlier in the season. You guys remember that game. They lost 10-3. You mean they couldn't have beat them? They could have beat them. That's after losing to them earlier, 22-17. I mean, you know, look, it's it's it's, it's just bad. It's bad. They've got to find a way to get some offense. There's no two ways about it. And so well, well, while I am not sitting here under the illusion that this is a lockdown super bowl world championship defense it is not it's pretty good it's not there yet it's not the niners defense okay and get it and listen i understand it really good quarterbacks can make really good defenses look eh <laughs> all right philly had philly didn't wasn't able to just keep Patrick Mahomes were marching up and down the field, and they had, how many sacks did they have? Giant fans still enjoying that game. I bet Harvey's playing that game on, on you know, on his DVR. <laughs> enjoying it. So, that, so that's what's happening. So I'm not saying that this is a defense that's, that's ready to be the best in the league. Stat-wise, stat they're top five. Realistically, they're top 10. It's a top 10 defense. So I'm telling you, with a top 10 defense that was predominantly healthy all year, I get it, predominantly healthy all year, you mean to tell me that an offense, it's not like they were blown out. I mean, look at these last three games. 19-3, 23-6, 11-6. Give me a break. That's the, the offense has got to change. And that's why they're looking for a quarterback. But as a couple of writers, I know Ian O'Connor wrote it in the post. I think Mike Vaccaro also wrote it in the post. Um, Joe Douglas can't mess this up. This, this quarterback decision had better work. This one had better work for everybody's sake. Because if it doesn't, they're going to be set back another five years. And Jeff Pence are going to be pulling their hair out because you're going to be trying to draft another quarterback. And you've got a defense right now where you're going to have to, they're going to be ahead of your offense and you're still going to be trying to catch up. And you're in a division where, I mean, Everybody, everybody's good. Josh Allen's got a couple more years left. <laughs> I'm trying to make you guys feel better. Okay, Josh Allen's good. We'll see what's going on with Tua. All right? I mean, uh, New England, eh, not great, but they're not going to stand pat. They're going to make some moves. Come on, this is Belichick. He just... He, he this- He's not going to stand for that. Not making the playoffs. No, 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 no. And then there's the Jets. And oh, by the way, this schedule is going to be much tougher than last year. And last year's schedule was not tough. It was not easy. I mean, it wasn't easy. And this schedule is going to be tougher. Tougher. 1-800-919-3776. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the Yankees and check in on our poll question at Hardesty ESPN and ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. I guess it's humbling here, but I mean, I grew up a huge fan of Derek Jeter, and I think – there's never going to be another player like him, person like him in New York or anywhere, really. So it's obviously very humbling to hear, but I
1: think it's pretty over, over-exaggerated. over That was Anthony Valpe mm-hmm. on being called the next Derek Jeter. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. And the reason why we're talking a little Yankees is that's the subject of our poll question on Twitter, at hardest to ESPN at ESPN and wide 98 underscore seven FM. I was very curious. And, and once again, uh, look, I understand. It's so early. It's we haven't even they haven't even took the field for real exhibition games yet, which they'll do this weekend. So I get it. But I'm just curious because I'm hearing all the I'm hearing the conversation about all Brian Cashman's not doing this and Brian Cashman screwed up with the pitching again. And why, when is he going to make a move? And when is he going to do something? And what's going on with left field? And what's going on with third base? And what's going on? So I said, hmm. See what the Yankee fans think. Even though the start of the season is over a month away, over a month away, what positions concern you the most? Left field, third base, shortstop, and second base. Let's give you some numbers. Nobody is concerned about second base. Nobody has voted about second base. So everybody feels that Gleyber Torres, they're set with Gleyber Torres at second base. Now, I think defensively, he has been, that's the best position for him. Just watching over the past couple, watching him last season from the move from shortstop, it's, it's it's night and day. It's night and day. So I get it. Now, I I just don't know how long the Yankees are going to be able to keep hanging on to him if his production does not get better. And it's beginning to look like, and, and it's crazy. It's just a couple of years ago, well, actually five now, four or five years ago, there were articles that is Gleyber Torres will Gleyber Torres end up being the face of the Yankees and not Aaron Judge? <laughs> That's how dominant he was. That he was phenomenal. He owned Camden Yards. Every time he went down, he was launching home runs. Owned it, owned it. I mean, he was hitting like he was he was an unbelievable prospect that came up. The Yankees were getting, I mean, Casman was getting high fives and everything with the way that the kid performed after he was brought here from a trade. But you haven't gotten it. So maybe this will be the year. He's shown signs. I mean, there's he's had stretches where you've kind of seen consistency, not just home runs, but making contact, hitting the ball to the opposite field. You've seen some things. You've seen some signs that he's coming back. Now you just have to see if it's more consistent. Okay. 22% of you, just over 22% of you, say you are concerned with third base. And I understand it because Josh Donaldson and what? What do we keep hearing? Well, we heard about the third-base metrics. Defensively, he's this, he's that. He saved so many runs. He's outstanding. He's this, that, and the other thing. Great. Can you give me a couple of big hits for a while? Every once in a while, can you give me some big hits the way you used to do? And so now, if you're a Yankee fan, you're concerned that maybe the bat speed is not what it was. Maybe he just can't get around on pitches now. Now, yesterday, we played audio from the skipper Aaron Boone, who indicated that from what he's seen so far, the bat speed is back. He's okay. He's good. He's going to rebound from next year. He's from last year. He's too talented to have another season like that. And listen, I mean, Aaron Boone's been pretty upfront and pretty honest, but it's early. So the question for me is only going to be settled. And obviously he's answering the question because he's asked, but you really won't know until you see him play. Right? That's when you'll really make the determination. And it might be that he has a better year. I would hope so if you're if, for for the Yankee fans. He you need him. Aaron Judge deserves some support with this offense. Okay? He does. Because just like the Yankees will be able to score more runs, well, everybody else is going to be able to score more runs with these with these rule changes. Okay? Everybody is yeah with the with the bigger bags and stolen bases and the the adjustments with shifts and all the other things. So, offense is going to be up. So, you would hope that your third baseman is going to contribute, all right? So, just over 22% of you say that you are concerned about third base. 37% of you say you're concerned about shortstop. And that's the uh, IKF rule. <laughs> That's because you really don't want to IKF at shortstop. And I get it. When you have your starting shortstop half having to bench him in the postseason when your when your life is on the line and you're about to be kicked out and eliminated is a major statement. It's a major statement. And I'm sure a lot of you did not want him back. Well, he's back. And so I understand why he, at 37%, would be uh, your number one, your your concern. And just over 40% of you say the concern is left field. And I get it. Aaron Hicks, when he's healthy, defensively, he is not. the I think he's worse defensively in left field than center field. Just me from the limited time I've seen him. He doesn't seem to read the ball as well in left, especially at uh, Yankee Stadium. Uh, once again, his availability is an issue. He can't. He, his contact was awful last year. I mean, what did he hit? Like two ten, maybe two fifteen. He did not hit well. Okay, it was a concern. And so, while he has talent, and he's got speed, and he has a good eye. You need him to make some contact. And so that's why, as I mentioned earlier, you have the discussions. Would you move Judge to left? Would you put Stanton in right? Keep Harrison Bader in center field? Would you consider putting Bader in center field? How about uh, um, the, the young man, Oswaldo Pereira? Would you put him out there? Okay, what would, you know, what what are they going to do? What's the move? So those are the results of our polls so, so far. And you still have a little more time to weigh in. At hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM to give uh, your thoughts about your concerns there. But I get it. I understand why you would have those concerns. I really do. Because of the situation where, you know... <laughs> Because of the situation that, that you've got. I was laughing because Buddha just weighed in. He said he's concerned about all of them. <laughs> so I needed a fifth one. I needed all the above for him. <laughs> yeah, you know, And I'm sure there's a bunch of Yankee fans who feel the same way all the above. I get it. But that's, that's what the issue is. And for me, I don't know that you're going to see anything happen before the beginning of the season. I think he's just gonna. I think Brian Cashman and the Yankees just gonna ride it out before they make a, a rash move in their eyes and figure out, you know, just what what's gonna happen. What will these guys surprisingly come back and have good years? And so, you know, that would solve our problems because you know that you know what they're gonna say, "Look at the back of their baseball card. These guys have been great over the years. Yes, they had one bad year, but we expect them to bounce back." And you know and You know Cashman, if they don't bounce back by the All-Star break, he'll trade them. Anthony Volpe was asked, do you see yourself with the big club sometime this year?
0: That's the goal, I guess, but it's super out of my control. So like I said, I just want to improve every day and be the best player I can be. Because at the end of the day, even if I'm playing this year next year or whatever, I always want to keep improving and keep being a better player. So there's still a lot more goals to fulfill.
1: Feel any pressure being a top prospect in the Yankees organization?
0: Not necessarily. I think it's, if anything, a really big vote of confidence from the organization and from the beginning. So it just feels like to me that everyone's invested in me and it allows me to play my best.
1: The interesting thing for me is when are we going to see him? And I don't know if you're going to see him early this year. I don't know. But I'm very curious to see how they all perform. During spring training. Very curious. 1-800-919-3776. More ESPN New York tonight. Next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: We'll turn our attention to the New York Mets, but first, the New York Islanders' 50th anniversary season continues with celebrations and giveaways all season long at the UBS Arena. And ESPN New York wants to make you a part of this historic season. Enter to win two free tickets to see the Islanders face off against the Detroit Red Wings at home on March 3rd. Just download the ESPN New York app, scroll down to contests, and submit your entry. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. Be sure to visit NewYorkIslanders.com for team news, tickets, and more. And you can catch every Islanders game live on the Islanders stream heard only on the ESPN New York app. You know, it was interesting to see the situation with Carlos Beltran. And everybody knows what happened with Carlos that Carlos was ready to be the next Mets manager. And unfortunately, because of the situation with Houston and everything came out, he was, uh, the job was taken away from him. He joined the uh, Yankee broadcast booth, did a very good job on yes. And now he is back as a mentor for the young players in this third year Shot with the Mets. Excellent player. uh, A guy who gave them real credibility. A guy who was just a great, great person to talk to after the game or before the game. Had a chance to speak with him on numerous occasions when he was with the Mets. And so his experience and what he went through with Houston is interesting to read the articles about he's not talking about it. And, And obviously he doesn't want to go back. He doesn't want to rehash that. He doesn't want to look back on that. But I think what he could bring to the table for this team, especially with the young players, is understanding what it takes to play in New York. Okay, here's a guy who played with both the Mets and the Yankees. Okay, here's a guy who, you know, uh, had the opportunity and, and understood just what it took and understands the pressures and so I, I'm I'm encouraged, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he helps the younger players, especially in spring training. Well, I know that uh, Daryl Strawberry is there, and the Mets have invited. Uh, let's see who else they invited. They invited Strawberry. They invited David Wright, of course, and my good friend Edgardo Alfonso. And so these are these are guys who. You know, understand understand what it takes to win. Understand what it is to be in, in pennant races late in the season. Have championships. Okay, these guys, they understand what it is. And so that's what I think has been missing from the Mets also was the positive part of their history, the success of their history. And that's one of the positives that Steve Cohen has brought in, is to get that back, to make sure that players have a connection. You saw Mike Piazza around the team a little bit more last year, so you know these are the these are the the positives that I think that you like. Okay, one of the issues though, which was not a positive for me, was the acquisition of Darren Ruff from the Giants. He struggled last year. I mean, he really struggled. He was not as productive as Vogelback. It wasn't even close. And Ruff says, you know, maybe the midseason trade was what bothered him the most.
0: I mean, I think mid-season trades are tough on anybody. I think performance stems from being comfortable, being in a rhythm, and I I think whenever a mid-season trade happens, it it affects people differently, and I think my performance suffered from that.
1: And now he's dealing with the situation with his wrist. What's going on, Darren?
0: Yeah, it's just something over the last few years that has bothered me, and then, yeah, ramping up for this spring got to a point where I thought it would be beneficial to take care of it instead of trying to grind through it another year. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And one of the concerns I have with this Met team this year is the lack of depth in the outfield. That's a concern for me. That's a concern, Uh, especially to start. Because, uh, you know, I, I expect Marte says he'll be ready for the start of the season. And in rehabbing off the surgery he had is the reason why he didn't participate and is not participating in the World Baseball Classic. But I'm just concerned about that rotation. And, and see, I I I'm, i am don't want to see Jeff McNeil in the outfield. I'd rather keep him in the infield. He does a decent job in the outfield. I'm not saying he's a hack. That's not what I'm saying. I just am more comfortable with him in the infield. Okay, he's he's my second baseman. I'm good. Continues to hit the way he does and everything. I'm good. Give me in the infield. I'm happy. Puts a smile on my face when I see him in the infield. But I am a little concerned about the outfield depth. I am. And obviously, you know, you're just concerned about health. Third base, I mean, you know, Escobar. Will, will Brett Batty have a chance to, you know, be healthy this year? And we Can we see what he will bring to the table at third base, getting uh, some opportunities there? I mean Escobar was a streaky guy last year, okay. So I'm I'm very curious to see what what they're going to do there, uh, if anything. You know, do they add do they add somebody? You know, you, you've got some you've got some really, really talented folks on the team, and they're versatile. I know, and I have confidence that Buck Showalter will find a place to put them, whenever the situation arises, and make sure everybody, you know, remains healthy and and tries to move them and keep them squared away so that they don't wear out, you know. But uh, I am concerned about that outfield depth. There's no question about it. I am very concerned about that with the Mets. So hopefully they will uh, figure that out. And I want to see what they do at catcher. Because as I listened to the case show today, and the guys made some great points about some of the adjustments that you're going to have with the new rules, uh, with the amount, with the possibility for the increase of stolen bases, And how important it is really going to be to help pitchers keep runners close with only being able to throw over a couple times. Okay? Uh, You really are going to need a solid backstop to help your defense in in baseball this season. More than ever. More than ever. These rule changes, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I'm curious. I'm very curious to see how the hitters and the pitchers will adjust to this pitch clock. It's, it's, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I really am. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Felix is in the Bronx. What's up, Felix? Hey, uh,
2: how you? uh, good night, guys. How you doing? Listen, uh, the Yankees got basically the same team. Same team. That's all they got. What change did they make? One pitcher? One pitcher is going to get us over the phone? No, every team in the American League East has a better third baseman than we have. Every team in the American League East has a better third baseman, a better shortstop. We didn't do anything of the, uh, on the offseason. We we got one pitcher. That's all we got. We basically got the same team. I, I mean, Donaldson is done. Can not they get it <laughs> through their head? He's done.
1: They don't believe so, Felix. They- I hear what you're saying. I hear you. Thanks for the phone call. I hear you. I guess the, uh, the addition you have that you'll have for the full season this time will be Harrison Bader. So we'll see what he brings to the table. I mean defensively, you know, we'll see. he should be pretty good in the outfield. Uh, is he going to hit home runs like he did last year? see that, that that's going to be interesting to see. But you're right, pretty much you have the same team. and uh, I'm also curious to see what they do. Uh, Harvey and I were talking during one of the breaks. About closers. So listen, I know Clay Holmes is your guy right now, but suppose which Clay Holmes is going to be the closer? Is it the first half of the season, Clay Holmes? or Is it the second half of the season, Clay Holmes? And is this where Loisaga steps up and becomes the closer? And when will Michael King be available? Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Yeah, hey, Buddha. you know
3: something? Felix is one hundred percent right. How you doing? Um, you all I'm right? doing I'm great, doing good? man.
1: Yeah, doing good, partner.
3: All right, listen, you know, uh, not only is Felix right. you know, and and it's really sad when two teams you root for marry each other. I'm looking at um, Joel Embiid and I'm looking at Aaron Judge, Mm. you know, both of them top five in the league, in both leagues, respectfully. And um, they're in the same predicament. You know, uh, teams are built to win during the regular season, don't really have those gutty, gritty players that can pull you out in the playoff. And I hate to say this about Doc, uh, Aaron Boone and Doc, maybe their styles are different. But the results are the same. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just not inspiring. I'm sorry, I just got to call it like I see it, man. Yeah, you know. But yeah. um, listen, I, the two things I want to talk to you about, really. is sure. You know, because I'm not. I can't get into baseball. Too it's too early. I know. Um, listen, with the Missoula thing and the Celtics, I mean, look. I'm. I'm. Listen. If they would have fired Udoka in the beginning of the year, it, it would have been 100% justified. Mm-hmm. You know, he had no leg to stand on. Workplace misconduct. You know, creating a hostile work environment. All that stuff. Da 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 da. But you know, when you see them wait until midway through the season, this is where you start seeing how teams uh, owners and uh, whatever general managers they're so disingenuous. You know. Well, let's say Missoula gets the team to, like, a 500 or slightly above. They kept Udoka just in case this guy yep. didn't work out as a coach. That's that, right. That's lame. If you got morals, you got standards, you got to stand on, stand on them. Don't be wishy-washy. You know what I mean? This is why, yep. like, a lot of people, you don't respect people when they do stuff like that. And then second thing, man, and um, listen, I heard Louis Riddick earlier today with, with, with my guys, Canty and Cat Daddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you know, I used to be a big NFL. I mean, NFL was always my favorite sport for years. Right. You know, like I told you, before the time I was a young kid, man. But it was three things that have diminished it for me. You know, as a fan, you know, first the rule changes. I mean, I, I, these thirty-five, forty-point games. I mean, I guess that's good for the marginal fan, but a guy like me, you know, you know, a little season, a little salt and pepper in the beard, I'm, I'm you know, I'm uninterested in that. Mm-hmm. You can't even play defense. I mean, it, it, it's not good, man. It's nope. not a good product. It's not for the guys who really love football. You know, the second thing is I have an owner of the team that I root for, the Jets, who, let's be honest, winning at all costs is not his thing. No. You know, all I heard was how Sean Payton wouldn't take that Denver job. You know, uh, Russell Wilson is washed, all this other stuff. You see when they ponied up that money that he took that job. I mean, with Woody Johnson, you can't place a call just to see like, you know, like, how much do you really want to win? You know, the, 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 he he he's he's becoming a, especially with Cohen here, It's really shining a light on, like, how bad of an owner he is. But the third thing, you know, going back to, like, what I was talking about with Louis Riddick was talking mm-hmm. with the guys, talking about, you know, Lashawn McCoy. I mean, he has the most appropriate nickname, Shady. Yeah. That stuff he was talking about, about Eric uh, B., you know, don't like that at all. But look at the NFL, man. Now, you got D'Amico Ryan's. You had uh Cully, you had uh this guy, what's his name from, from, from the Bears. They keep hiring these black coaches and putting them in like the worst position in the world in NFL. Mm-hmm. This brother Eric B had to go take a step down in terms of working for an organization to go work for of all organizations, the Washington, whatever their name is gonna be next year. I mean, that is so horrible. And and really, you know, it I'll be honest with you, man. Like my wife I told you, my wife a lot of, like, a lot of, like my, my boy, he is a season ticket holder of the Jets. You know what I'm saying? Five mm-hmm. men, he work over there in a Season ticket holder. This dude puts his tickets on StubHub every week. And it's, you know, because you have these, these owners and, and these teams that, you know, winning is not necessarily the number one thing. They're using this brother as a pawn. And it's really, it's really disgusting. He's not going to get any other job by nope. taking that job in Washington. And he's working for a lame duck coach, you know, in Ron Rivera. And it's absolutely disgusting. And these are the things that have put the NFL on the back burner. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more NBA first and then baseball second and NFL third. And I would have never thought I would have said anything like that growing up. It's horrible, bro.
1: I hear what you're saying, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. And I meant to talk about, and thank you for reminding me, I meant to talk about the Eric Enemy situation earlier. And I'll do that and take some more calls next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: I was really disappointed in hearing LaShawn Shady McCoy's comments about Eric Enemy, And... Eric Biannimi, as you know, we've been talking about him for years with the fact of him not having the opportunity to be a head coach, going on interviews but not getting the job. And And the knock or the criticism or the concern has been that, well, he's not really playing. He's not really calling the plays. It's really Andy Reid calling the plays. He's not really calling the plays. And so, but yet and still, there are, Coordinator after coordinator after coordinator who has been on staffs that have had success. Okay? Who get head coaching jobs. I mean, so whether he's making whether he's making the calls or not, he is around a program that has been successful, that has two Super Bowl rings, and he has to take a lateral move well i guess it i guess to those who say he's not calling the plays i guess he's getting a promotion to have to be the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach in washington and they don't know who their quarterback is <laughs> okay and so he's got to go there to prove to people that yeah i i know that uh, maybe i didn't call the plays or not but i kind of know what i'm doing in the nfl Nobody asked Jeff Saturday if he could call plays when he became head coach of the Colts. He had no head coaching experience anywhere. He hadn't been the coordinator anywhere. He was given an opportunity. Not to mention this, sorry, Giant fans. Joe Judge wasn't the coordinator. He was a special teams coach. Got a head coaching job. So why are we scrutinizing whether Eric bien called plays or not. He was part of a successful program that won titles. Just like Joe Judge was part of a successful program that won titles in New England. Just like Jeff Saturday was part of was part of a successful team. They didn't win a Super Bowl, but they were a successful team in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning. Whatever happened to the time when Analysts always said, well, you know what? When you you play for a really good head coach, you learn about the sport, whatever it is, whether it's baseball or football or basketball or hockey, whatever it is, you learn something from that coach because of his knowledge, because of his experience, how he runs things. The success proves to you that they know what they're talking about. He or she, male or female, the successful coaches usually there's players, former players or other coaches who learn from their success and go on to have success in other programs or other teams, but not Eric B. No, we gotta, no, we gotta make sure that we, well, he didn't really, he didn't really call the plays. (laughs) All I know is they were successful. All I know is he sat next to spoke with, pick the brain of Andy Reid, who I'm now hearing is one of the offensive geniuses in the National Football League. Okay, when he was in Philly and didn't win with Donovan McNabb, he didn't know how to do anything. Oh, he's, he's a failure. He just can't win. No. But now he's got two Super Bowl rings. Now he's a genius. And Eric Bieniemy was with him when he got the two rings. He wasn't with him in Philly. He's with him with the two rings, but he doesn't know anything. He he's it's it's. It, what does he have to prove? How do he didn't really call the play? So what does he know? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It makes you shake your head. It really does. Kyle's in Jersey. What's up, Kyle?
0: Hey, what's going on, Larry? How are you?
1: I'm doing good, my friend. What's happening?
0: Good. Uh, I'll, I always give a shout-out. Greg Ficara is my father. Uh, oh, yeah, father yeah, law, so yeah. I like to always throw that out.
1: The judge? How was the judge? Uh, I do.
0: I, <laughs> oh, he's doing great. He's doing great. He's the same guy that you know. So, oh, man. Uh, he's a know, great guy. Tell he him he said He might be the long. mayor of Woodbridge tomorrow. We don't know.
1: Okay, but, well, uh, tell, best yeah, of luck.
0: No, he's doing good, and I always give, give you love for him every time I see him. So I, appreciate uh, I just that, like Kyle. to throw that out there. No problem. Um, I, I will say something along the lines of with Eric Bien-Aimé. Um I believe, for me, when I when I look at this situation, I think that Eric Bieniemy is doing something finally for himself. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, he's tagged to probably this one of the quarterbacks is going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play on. On um, my thing is, is that I think this time around, regardless of who called the plays, da 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 da, I I really believe that he decided that he wanted to make a decision where he didn't want to be tied to someone like Patrick Mahomes, and also tied to someone like uh, and Andy Reid, which is at no fault. I know those two have a great relationship together but i I think that this is great for Eric b enemy. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we should hate on the fact that he didn't get a coaching job or he didn't do this, or we should dwell on the idea that he's not good at interviews. I honestly believe that for him, he decided this is my time to shine because. I am tied with Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Andy Reid has been a great mentor to me, and we've done great things. But I'm moving forward. So I think he actually made a great decision for his own self. I I think that we're all looking at it the wrong way. I think he's actually doing something that's going to be great for his career moving forward. Because I do think he's a he's definitely a great offensive coordinator that can be an amazing head coach. But well, I'll say
1: this, Kyle. And thanks for the phone call, my friend. I'm I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm up against the clock. I will say this in response to you. I agree with you. I'm more frustrated at the response from LaShawn McCoy about the fact of well, he's calling – what is What does he? What what you know? What he hasn't proved anything. He wasn't really calling the plays. So it's really my frustration is not with the fact that Eric enemy is, you know, has another job. It's great. Now we'll we'll see. <laughs> now all those folks who have this criteria for him, when they are successful or when they do what they can do, you know, then we'll 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 judge him. And you're right. He is doing something for himself for a change. There's no question about it. Let's quickly review our poll question. Yankee fans, with the start of the season over a month away, what positions concern you the most? Everybody weighs in at left field at just over forty, just under 44% and shortstop at just over 34%. So those are our numbers. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We thank you for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow night following the New York Rangers. Harvey, Julian, thank you very much. Up next, the conversation continues. I bet they talk a little football. That's next on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.